Hello, this is Anthony Day. It's the Sustainable Futures Show, and today we're talking about educating the beast. The what? Well, all will be revealed shortly. This week I went to Leeds University Business School to see the regional semi-final of Solutions for the Planet. Director Kat Luckock explained the programme. First though, what's all this about the beast? Harriet Ennis of Bootham School has the answer. Harriet Ennis leads the sustainability initiative at Bootham School in York. So Harriet, how did you become involved with sustainability in the school? Um, Well, in 2004, two students, Natalie Gibson and Hermione Spriggs, came up to me and said, we need a sustainability activity. Um, Bootham has um, probably the oldest natural history society in the universe, I think in the country anyway at least. Really? Um, But they clearly felt there was something missing in terms of sustainable behaviour, promoting awareness, climate change and that sort of thing. And so they came and said, we need this, Will will you run it? Okay. And so that's how it was born. And tell me a bit about the school. How many pupils do you have? What age groups do you um, deal with? We're getting on for 500 now um, in the um, senior school. And we've also got a junior school as well, which is a branch further down the road. Um, and it's, it's a school with a Quaker ethos. So um, though there's a strong element of uh, stewardship of the earth, as well as equality and peace work and friendship and all the Quaker ideals. I think it's fair to say that in those days at least, the stewardship of the earth was secondary to some of the other service that the students were involved in. Certainly these students felt so. And um, so Beast was born, or shortly after when the students came up. Beast is? Beast, yeah. Bootham Environment and Sustainability Team. Um, okay, and did that extend right into junior school across the whole of the organisation? Yes, um, well, it became Mini Beast, uh, <laughs> Mini Beasts down at the junior school, which is a nice opportunity for them to collaborate together and join mm-hmm. the two schools up together. Yes. So, did this come as a, as, as a surprise to you? I mean, did you think, oh goodness, now what do I have to do? Is that at that point that you actually uh, got into contact with eco schools? No, not yet. For the first few years, um, we operated just as Beast, um, and when we began with eco schools, um, again a student noticed that we could do that. We began with eco schools. I was a bit daunted by the sort of bureaucracy and the hoop jumping that we'd have to do in order to um, go from what is it, bronze to silver to gold to green flag. So eco schools is a national organisation which sets standards for schools as far as sustainability. That's is right. In fact, international. Yeah. It is. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I wish I had the statistics, but it's you know thousands of schools and and I think thousands that now have the green flag the top level. Mm-hmm. We're one of very few ambassador status schools. There's four in the region. Um, mm. I think nine nationally. Right. So what is an ambassador school? So do? an ambassador school um, goes above and beyond the green flag status to spread um, sustainability messages outside the school gates into the wider community not just the parents but also the public to sort of I suppose be more 
role models just beyond, just within the school. Okay, so are you an ambassador to other schools as well? Absolutely, so we share best practice with other schools and, mm-hmm. and uh, encourage them to get their green flag, which we've been doing anyway for many years as right. part of green flag work. But. Right. So specifically, um, how did it develop? What sort of activities, what sort of organisation did you build within the school to do this? Um, all sorts really. We, um, the Beast activity is a, a weekly activity outside school hours from 4.30 to 5.30. Um, but we then d- develop eco-reps, so um, in each tutor group there would be people responsible for trying to reduce waste um, around the school. The most recent one is uh, the Bootham Earth Hour, modelled mm-hmm. a little bit on the International Earth Hour. Um, and what we do is then we, we sound SOS, save our souls, in Morse code on the, on the school bells. And then the eco reps go into action, switching off anything unnecessary. Um, and that's, that's been really successful. The pilot um, of that reduced electricity by 20%. And at the peak, that was enough to power three fridges for a week. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just, just the first time. It's mm-hmm. quite remarkable mm-hmm. what we could do with just switching off. Okay, okay. Uh, you mentioned to me when I met you before something like e- eco-pledges. Yeah. Um, this is something we've embedded in the curriculum, actually. Um, the lower school, which is year seven, um, they learn all about sustainability and um, fair earth share and eco-footprints, carbon footprinting and that sort of thing. And then they make their own um, sustainability life chi- lifestyle pledges, which are smart targets, so uh, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, so they'll know that w- what they've achieved. Uh, I mean, a classic example would be Meat Free Monday. Okay. Um, or I'll cycle to school three days a week, um, that sort of thing. So what we did was we, we got them all to make their own chosen smart targets, which might be something very simple um, or something a li- little bit bigger, like, you know, I'm going to write to the MP. And then we took that outside the school gates and we encouraged members of the public to write their eco-pledges and also the parents on Parents' Day. So it's just, it's broadened out really. So using this, again, using the students as the role models to inspire other people to do similar. Okay, okay. Right, so there's obviously a lot of activity focused on the students, but looking at the school as a business, is, is the school itself walking the talk? Absolutely. Well, we're very lucky to have a bursar um, who even goes so far as to talk to other bursars about climate change and about how you can uh, both reduce costs mm-hmm. and be um, greener at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, the, the buildings are all built the newest buildings are all built to higher specifications than is necessary for sustainability. Um, seeding roofs and solar panels with solar panel display, this sort of thing. So obviously building it into the educational experience as well. Okay. Yeah. Going back to the activities, tell me about the dangerous game. The dangerous game, uh, I think probably one of the students' favourite um, things that we've ever done. On Globe Day, uh, which is a whole school off timetable day when we do all sorts of activities 
uh, related to sustainability, we also have traditionally run the Dangerous Game, which was created by Mark Robinson, one of uh, our teachers, a chemistry teacher here. And um, the Dangerous Game is so much fun. Uh, the, whole, the whole school, all age groups, play it together, and there are different worlds. And you'd, each world has three classrooms. And one of the classrooms is a country populated by a developed world country. The other are developing, and the third would be a very poor, undeveloped country. And they work a way to pay their rent by doing an activity. They're filling in little grids with, with pencils in the poor countries, and then with great big highlighter pens, the t high technology um, in the richer countries. And away they go. And of course, what they don't realise in the early decades is the damage they're doing to the environment by, by making money by, to pay their rent. Um, and then, then there are no rules whatsoever after that. So the, they get to decide what they're going to do next. They realise that the rent is rising out of control. It's a real-world simulation of the effects of climate change. And there are real consequences as well. So if they don't pay their rent, they won't get lunch. Well, they will, but it will be rice on a cabbage leaf. Oh, right, yes. So they really are highly motivated. And if they become the richest, they get not just a great normal sort of lunch, but they'll get sort of superb puddings and, and, you know. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pressure to pollute. Right. And there's, but there's also a lot of pressure to survive and pay your rent. And this means that they actually, you know, they get together, they make international accords, they sell their children into slavery, they barricade the borders uh, of the classrooms. And there's, it's just such an exciting game to play, but it also makes them really realise in real terms the effects that climate change might have in, in the next few decades. It, it sounds to me as though you're motivating them to be selfish and, 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 and so on. It's amazing because the different worlds come out with different outcomes. So there are some worlds for whom everybody gets lunch because they collaborate, they share technology, they start doing recycling, they do all sorts of things to look after each other. And in other worlds, large portions of the world starve, but they realise the severe consequences, the, the misery and upset, for, for, and the, the fact that people all want to emigrate into your country and you, and you need to keep them out, and all, all sorts of out, you know, real consequences that really might happen. Right. And they, they just think it's so exciting. Yeah. So is this something which is um, exclusive to Bootham School? Not at all. We try, we've tried to share it. And in fact, um, Marcus Hurst, who is one of, um, one of our long-standing BEAST members, he, he was in BEAST from Year 7 all the way um, through to the sixth form when he became the leader. Um, he's gone off to um, the University of Wisconsin and it's just about to run in a few days' time. Oh, the yes. Dangerous Game... Um, there yeah. in Milwaukee, so that's really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's also running at a university in South Africa. Um, we've also had other schools come in and uh, experience the dangerous game on Globe Day with us. Uh, the Mount School in York and yeah. one from down south as well, Sidcote. So oh, we're, it, we're trying to spread it. It's open source. So can I pass on your contact details to people who might be interested? In oh, absolutely. We, it, we would love other people to play. I mean, it, it, is, it is dangerous as well because, um, you know, tensions run high. So it really is the dangerous game, mm -hmm. but it is great fun too. Right. I think that sits very well with the beast, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How does all this fit in with the curriculum? I mean, I, I had a concern initially that it was going to take time that you hadn't got. Now, you've explained that it's generally out of school time, <coughs> but does it have synergy with the curriculum as well? 
Yes. <coughs> um, in fact, we are just pioneering a new um, initiative, which is the BQ, BCQ, Bootham Certificate of Environmental... Getting that right. BCQ... Uh, Bootham Citizenship and Environment Qualification. And what we're going to do is map the curriculum, which we're already running, so that we know that by the time the student reaches uh, year nine, they will have received, in all different subjects, a, a fairly complete exploration of what we think a good environmental citizen should know. Mm -hmm. uh, Could you do that if you were not an independent school? I think so. Um, this maybe is above and beyond in that we've added active citizenship activities that they can opt into to therefore get better than just a pass. Um, we are blessed in that we don't have to do key stage three exams mm -hmm. and so we've got more freedom but really we still teach the same material as okay. we would in any school so we, it, it can easily be mapped on. Right, right. And how do you find the, the students react to all this, how they benefit? I think I mean, people like Marcus Hurst going on to do it all again, but at a higher level at university. I think that's the kind of thing which is so important because they get to explore what it's like to make positive change in an organisation and make their mistakes here where it matters less. Um, and for all that we've got a wonderful ethos here, it's not always easy to make positive change in an organisation and in the early years, perhaps more so, that, um, students did receive bullying as a result of standing up for um, sustainable behaviour really? Really? and they had to learn how to deal with that, they had to learn how to encourage people in a positive way um, which would actually work and mm -hmm. I think that's tremendously valuable yes. in terms of yes. learning what they might do when they're older, in their own jobs and organisations. Yes, do you think it's changed their outlook as far as career prospects are concerned? I think so, and I think whatever career they're doing, they're going to build in sustainability at the drawing board level rather than a bolt-on, mm -hmm. which is what we need. Mm -hmm. um, I think we, we, we play to whatever strengths there are, um, but obviously it's also going to improve their soft skills tremendously because they're going to be um, standing up in assembly, morning meeting we call it. Um, they're going to take part in all sorts of awareness mm. um, spreading activities. Yeah. Yeah. They're going so to talk to the governors, talk to all in all sorts of different forums, uh, talk to the staff. Yeah. Oh, so they get involved with that, at that level and yeah, share they, their ideas? They uh, take part in senior management meetings, mm -hmm. they go um, under the, into the bowels of the school and look with the states managers, they, you know. Um, really at all different levels they talk to the cleaners so all different levels of the organisation get involved and that, that's the beauty of eco schools um, for all the bureaucracy and hoop jumping it actually does make the whole school join up in that respect and it, it's well worth it right so it really enhances awareness and to some extent empowerment as well <laughs> yes yeah. definitely yeah yeah, yeah. so um, I think I know what your answer is going to be <laughs> but uh, should every school do this sort of thing uh, I think without question. And how should they start if they're not doing it already? Well, that's a good question. I think it's got to be led by the students. Well, it has to be anyway to be an eco schools, an eco school. It, um, but I think whatever it is that makes the students' hearts sing, that's your starting point. So it wouldn't necessarily have to be um, 
sustainability it could be um, fair trade if that's their passion yeah. it could be uh, peace work it could be uh, amnesty and equality you know what, what, whatever it is that they want to work towards that is all feeds in to uh, active global citizenship uh, charity work whatever it is mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's your starting point right but specifically if they wanted to focus on sustainability you could give them some pointers as far as eco-schools is concerned. We are always delighted to do that, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well I'll put the school's um, website address, obviously, on the introduction notes to this podcast. And, uh, and you know, any ideas, back to us as well, sharing of ideas is, is, is where it gets exciting, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harriet, thank you very much for this, that's really interesting. If you want to know more about eco-schools, go to eco-schools.org.uk or you can contact Harriet via ennish at bootham.school.com It's encouraging that there are so many people and organisations working to make students of all ages aware of sustainability issues. More and more, students are getting directly involved and there's nothing more powerful than learning by doing. Here's what Solutions for the Planet have to offer. This afternoon I'm at Leeds Business School with Kat Luckock of Solutions for the Planet, and we've just had a really exciting regional semi-final. But before we talk about that, can you just explain what Solutions for the Planet is about, what your program is, what you're, who you work with and how you're in, what you're aiming to achieve? Okay, brilliant. Uh, so Solutions for the Planet is a social enterprise. We work both with secondary schools and with businesses in the energy, utility um, and construction sectors. And we're really passionate about getting employers and businesses from the private sector particularly into schools to share their expertise and knowledge about their industries and um, really encourage that employer engagement in schools. But the programme Solutions for the Planet is also about developing the skills of students, um, particularly in science, technology, engineering and maths, with an enterprise and sustainability focus. So we set teams of students the challenge to come up with a solution um, for a sustainability issue that's of most concern to them. We have seen 12 presentations today 12 quite different presentations, uh, some quite remarkable students. What age group are these uh, students that have been presenting today? So the students are all key stage three, so they're 11 to 14 year olds, and you're right, they do come up with some brilliant innovative ideas, and that's um, one of the great things about the partnership with business, is they really see that innovation and creativity in younger younger children, um, compared to their graduates and employees, and they want to kind of capture that innovation and creativity amongst their own workforce, which is often why they get involved. Right. Let's just give some examples. There were some quite uh, diverse ideas. There was there was somebody who was suggesting we should use grey water to mm-hmm. flush the toilet. There were some earlier today which I didn't manage to see. Um, what would you pick out of those? So, um, oh, we had extra, which were one of the uh, winners of today. They came second, and they dis- they were concerned about endangered species, particularly those that were red, and they'd created this brilliant comic um, which was to both raise awareness of these endangered species, but also they were going to use the profits of their business 
to um, help fund conservation projects for these endangered species. So they were brilliant. We also had, oh, what else did we have? We had Bright Future, who were concerned about um, car safety and accidents that happen in poor weather conditions, and they designed this piece of equipment to um, use in your car that would tell you tell the car to reduce its speed in using sensors when the weather actually the weather conditions changed. So yeah. all very diverse ideas. Yes, yes. And the final winners of course were Thermal, who developed this paint which would actually act as an insulator and keep your house warmer. Yeah, which is amazing. And like is again is a prime example of the, the innovation of these kids. And basically yeah. so they've looked at all the detail of designing a real life project that can be sold for the domestic market um, which can help people either in addition or instead of cavity wall insulation mm. to insulate their home with just by painting the walls internally. Yes so. and then those top two winners now go ahead to uh, a national final in London. Absolutely yes yeah. so we'll have we have four semi-finals and um, two here in Yorkshire two in the West Midlands and the top two teams from all those will go to London um, in July and again present their ideas to another panel of judges and we'll also invite their local MPs to come and hear their brilliant ideas. Okay, and as far as the other project, projects are concerned, is that the end? Absolutely not. I think we're really passionate about making as many of these big ideas actually happen and we're exploring ways, different ways to support teams beyond this semi-final. Uh -huh. um, you know, some of the projects are already very far developed and we can just support them and help them actually get off the ground. Others will need more technical expertise and we can use our business um, partners to actually bring in that expertise and support them. Um, but we're also looking at other projects that can become offshoots of the programme to get as many of these businesses and campaigns up and running in local communities or nationally. Right, so this operates, what, as uh, an annual cycle? You take on new schools or new teams each year? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, the programme is an annual programme across the academic year. We start in September, October time with schools um, on a Big Ideas Day where we facilitate a day um, around different sustainability issues and then teams are developing their ideas from them up until the semi-finals today um, in this spring term. And so... Yeah, and then we'll, we're looking to recruit new schools in each of our regions year on year and also expand nationally. So if schools are interested in learning more about this, they should presumably go to your website. Yes, which is www.solutionsfortheplanet.co.uk. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Clearly, there's a lot going on in schools and we're also seeing partnerships between businesses and schools to promote these ideas. If you're interested in getting involved, as a school or as a business, go to eco-schools.org.uk or solutionsfortheplanet.co.uk or go to both. They're both very interesting. And let me have your feedback as well. Mail at anthony-day.com Let me know what you think, what you'd like to hear about. Let me know if you have a particular insight into sustainability that you'd like to share with Sustainable Futures Show listeners. And by the way, the number of listeners is increasing quite rapidly at the moment. I'm still looking for someone to talk about water resources and the California drought. I saw a picture last week of rows and rows of dead almond trees killed by the drought. 
That's quite worrying when you realise that some 80% of the world's almonds come from California. Next Friday, there will be another episode of the Sustainable Futures Show. What's it about? No idea. There will be one. If you've got an idea, let me know. Mail at anthony-day.com But for the moment, this is Anthony Day. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you.